So our theme is a fruitful summer, God's power to transform your life. And we're going to be looking um, at the, the fruit of the Spirit, joy, today. But you'll remember in part one, we asked the question, how can we be more loving? How can we be more loving? And there was lots of practical application in there. But ultimately, we must be led by the Holy Spirit into the way of love. We must be led by the Holy Spirit. And today, we'll be asking the question, how can we cultivate joy in our lives? How can we cultivate joy in our lives? So... This is not actually a rhetorical question. This is uh, group participation. What brings you joy? Come on. Singing. My children. Dancing. Hearing from God from every day. Family. Waking up to the sunshine and green trees. People. Reading. Painting pictures. This little one smile. <laughs> Walking. <laughs> I'm sure there's lots more than that. Thank, thank you. Well, what I glean from that is that we all love people and we're a very creative bunch. Isn't that good? Isn't that great? That we love people and we're creative people. That's good, isn't it? Okay. So, um, would you like to know what brings me joy? I've asked you. Coffee, yes, coffee does bring me joy. Especially in the morning when reading, praying, and listening to the Lord. Absolutely. And um, I also like the joy of after you've exercised. You know when it's over and you've, you're satisfied <laughs> that you've done a good job. You persevered when you didn't really feel like it but you did it anyway. There's a joy there, I think, as well for me. So I find it really good just to think about some of the things that bring us joy. And actually, those are things that we can be thankful for, can't we? We can thank God for those things. All of those rich, deep, good things that we have in our lives, we can thank God for those things. And we'll see later why that is important, that we do that. So... Uh, in our passage today, Paul is speaking about the power of the Holy Spirit, which enables us to produce fruit in our lives and gives us 
the ability to overcome temptations and challenges. As Jesus' people, we are transformed people. We're like caterpillars that become butterflies through the process of metamorphosis. We are changed, we are transformed into God's likeness through the Spirit. That's good news, isn't it? Yes. yes. Thank you. We need, more of it. we need more change and transformation, don't we? Yes. yes, we do. We do. So, what do we need to think about? We might think uh, joy is an extreme form of emotional happiness. But happiness is often a shallow foundation because happiness is changeable. It's here one minute and gone the next. It's easily affected or influenced by external circumstances. But the fruit of joy is different because unlike happiness, joy is not dependent upon our circumstances. Joy is a choice. And we can choose to experience more of it. I want more of it, do you? Yes. I can be a bit miserable. So I need some more joy, that's for sure. That's for sure. The reality is that as followers of Jesus, we have every reason in the world to be the most joyful people in the world. Why? Why? Because in Christ, we have hope. We have purpose. We have God's presence. And we have opportunities to practice joy by sharing God's love with others. Are you with me? We'll now think about four foundations of joy. The first foundation of joy is hope. Hope. Lots of people put their hope in temporary things, which brings short-lived happiness, a temporary high. With online shopping, it's very easy to become a shopaholic and have your goods delivered to your door whenever you want them. Maybe like me, you like to buy yourself little gifts to give yourself a boost. People try filling the emptiness inside with all sorts of things, don't they? Where do you put your hope? Where do you put your hope? In his letter to the Romans, Paul argues that through faith, through faith we've been made acceptable to God. Through Jesus Christ, we live at peace with God. Christ has granted us God's undeserved kindness and grace. And on this, we take our stand as our firm foundation. We are joyful because we look forward to sharing in the glory of God. Furthermore, we tolerate suffering because enduring it helps us to develop in our character. And this gives us hope. 
The Puritan minister, Thomas Manton, from the 1700s, sorry, 1600s, argues that if a Christian's material possessions and securities all disappeared at the change of providence, just as Job lost everything in an instant, hope is not lost because the one thing the Christian will never lose is God and his love for them. That's something that can never be taken away or lost. God's love for you. The hope and friendship we have in Christ, it should cultivate joy in our hearts. We have relationship with God if we know Jesus. And that should bring us joy that we have someone We have him who we can turn to in all the challenges and trials that we face. Hope. The second foundation of joy is purpose. Have you ever desperately, desperately just wanted all of your problems to go away? You've thought, if only I could just click my fingers and all my worries would disappear then it would be okay. Or, I wish God would just transport me from this situation into a better situation where things were better and felt easier. But have you ever noticed whenever one problem is resolved, it doesn't take long before another one creeps in and takes its place? Have you noticed that? Have you ever looked at your life and wondered, why God? Why am I going through this? But we are encouraged to rejoice in our sufferings. Because God wants to use those struggles to strengthen us and equip us for the purposes he's called us for. Nothing is wasted in your pain and suffering. When we overcome trial through perseverance, we are strengthened. When we overcome, this will produce joy within us. We're not called to fake being joyful by pretending everything is all right. When our life is a complete mess and things are falling apart, we mustn't deny the reality of pain. Paul was honest about his struggles when he spoke about the thorn in his flesh. And he persevered despite his affliction. And God revealed to him this. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. When you feel weak, know that God is with you and he gives you strength. I love this. Timothy Keller argues that the evil that hurts us now will be the eventual servant of our joy and glory eternally. In his letter to the Philippians, Paul encourages the believers to be humble, holy, and compassionate. 
Serving is therefore a tool to help us grow into the likeness of our master, Jesus. Serving. Let's think about that for a moment. Firstly, Jesus is humble. He is humble. Therefore, the Holy Spirit uses suffering to develop humility within us. I don't know about you, but humble people are really easy to like and love. God's called us to have humility. Secondly, Jesus is holy. Therefore, we are called to live holy lives by allowing the refiner's fire to purify us. That means it will get hot. It will be uncomfortable in the refiner's fire. Thirdly, Jesus is compassionate. The Holy Spirit uses the suffering we experience to help us have compassion for others and grace towards them. We're called to be compassionate people who do our best to understand the struggles of others. Just like Jesus. In our suffering, we are being shaped by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't always feel that way, does it? But we are. We're being shaped by the Holy Spirit in those times, those hard times. If we continue to trust in Jesus. So we've had hope. We've had purpose. And the third foundation of joy is presence. Rick Warren argues that joy is not the absence of suffering but the presence of God in it. The presence of God in it. What storm are you going through today? If you're going through a storm, you can still be joyful because the presence of God is with you in it. What areas of your life do you need to invite God into? Surrender's hard, isn't it? It can be tough, surrendering ourselves. But we're called to surrender to God. What areas of your life are you still holding on to tightly? I believe God wants us to let go. Let go and surrender to him. In the book, Red Moon Rising, about the 24-7 prayer movement by Pete Gregg, I will try and get through this without becoming emotional. There is a story about a man named Paul who confesses to a large crowd gathered that he has been struggling to pray for his sister who, has, who is not yet a Christian. And he says this. His sister suffers with anorexia. She was 26 years old at the time. She weighed just 32 kilograms. She developed arthritis. And she couldn't dress herself or straighten her hands. She was diagnosed with diabetes and was going through the menopause 20 years too early. He said she seemed to have been robbed of everything. 
her womanhood, her future, her dignity, her life. Paul then confessed to the crowd gathered, I don't even pray for her. I've been asking myself, why not? Do I not care? Yes, I care. Do I believe in prayer? Yes, of course. The reason I don't pray for my sister is because it's too painful. To pray for her is to think about her situation. And it means identifying with her and feeling her pain. So I find it easier just to forget the whole thing and pretend it's not happening. He continues, but, but, God has been challenging me to feel my sister's pain. Because that is actually what it means to truly intercede. Paul goes on to talk about how he believes that as Christians, we are called to dare to feel the pain of others. As Paul was speaking, he realized he needed to bring the presence of God into his circumstances. He needed God's presence to help. Why am I sharing this story? Joy is knowing God's presence with us in the midst of turbulent storms. And Paul's story reminded me of the importance of bringing the Holy Spirit into all of our circumstances, especially when we may be feeling helpless. Have you ever felt helpless? I'm sure we have. We need God's presence. We always need God's presence in every area of our lives. God said through his prophet Isaiah, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. Amen. Amen. God is with us in it and we need his presence, don't we? So let's think about what we need to do in response to these things. We've thought about God's hope, God's purposes and God's presence as vehicles to cultivate the fruit of joy in our lives. And the fourth and final foundation of joy, in this sermon anyway, is practice, practice. Rick Warren argues that joy is like a muscle. The more it gets exercised, the stronger it becomes. And he advocates doing four exercises to increase the muscle of joy in our lives. The first is to cultivate joy with a grateful attitude. Be grateful. The Apostle Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances. God's will for our lives is to thank him for all the good things that we can recognize that he's done 
And that's despite our circumstances. Looking for things to praise him for. What are you thankful to God for today? Because being genuinely thankful produces more joy within us. It might feel unnatural at first, but we must begin to think about all the things that we're grateful to God for. And that cultivates joy in us. The second is to cultivate joy by giving. Giving. Jesus teaches that more blessings come from giving than from receiving. God is not tight-fisted, but he's open-handed. He is a generous God. God does not give grudgingly. So why should we be stingy? We must be the most generous people in all the world because we've received such generosity from our Father through the Son. And it didn't stop there. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit that equips us to be generous with all that we've been given. Do you remember, Paul reminds us that God loves a cheerful giver. God loves it when we give cheerfully to others. Being generous with who we are produces joy within us. The third is to cultivate joy by serving. Jesus taught us that we must lose our life in order to find it. We must give ourselves to serving and helping others where we can. When we are busy serving the Lord by helping others, we are too busy to question our own state of happiness. Are you with me? We're promised in scripture to be rewarded when we serve others. Isn't that inspiration enough to serve others that God sees it and he will reward us for what we do for others? Being servant-hearted produces more joy. And fourthly and finally, the fourth foundation is to share Jesus with others. Jesus informed us that there is rejoicing in heaven when a person repents and comes to faith in him, committing their life to God. Just imagine the joy that awaits you when you come face to face with somebody that you helped, somebody that you showed love to, somebody that you prayed for, just imagine the joy that you will experience when they appreciate all that you did for them. We need courage to share the love of Jesus with people. We need courage, don't we? It's not easy. But the Holy Spirit can equip us.
can equip us for the task. Sharing Jesus with others, sharing the gospel, should produce more joy. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to understand how deeply you love us. And may we not only know it, but experience it for ourselves. Help us to see others with your eyes of love. And help us to act in loving ways towards them. Lead us all in your ways of love. And may we experience joy in the process. Thank you that you've, you love us so much that you want to refine us. You want to transform us into your likeness. And you want us to experience the joy of knowing you and being like you. I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, that they may know the joy of being known and loved by you and changed and transformed into your likeness. Amen.